Hello, 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 and welcome to a very special episode of Geek Steep. My name is Marika. And my name is Kelly. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm excited. <laughs> Me too. I feel like this is really fun and fresh. Yeah, it's a, it's a new addition to our rotation. Um, we get questions. I get very few questions through my Instagram because my Instagram is um, private. So I don't have just kind of random people asking me questions, but every once in a while people ask me questions and I have a tendency just to answer them through my DMs. But this is nice uh, formalizing the interaction with our mm -hmm. listeners who we love and appreciate and genuinely we love and appreciate you guys really because or else it's just, it's just me and Kelly talking to each other, which <laughs> is fine. It's great. It's great. I mean, we do it anyway. Um, but without you, there is no Geek Steep. So thank you so, so much for sending in your questions, listening, contributing, geeking out with us, sipping along with us. Um, so yes, very exciting. Kelly, what's in your cup? I am drinking today, uh, continuing, you know, the, the new tea company thing. So yeah. this is at least 41 companies featured wow. this season. I know it's higher though, because there were episodes that had multiple teas, but maybe I'll do the math at some point. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, I picked a tea from Stephen Smith Tea Maker. Okay. I recently got an order in from them. It was the first time I'd ever ordered from them directly. Not the first time I've tried their tea, but you know, it was actually a very nice experience ordering through their site. The shipping was really fast. Oh. Uh, and I did get hit with duties, but in the spectrum of how insane duties can be, all right. So, Canadian tea friends, take that for what it's worth. Yes. Uh, they recently put out their holiday collection of teas. Okay. We're kind of in that holiday space. Uh, you know, Christmas coming up. This episode's coming out, you know, later November. So, I wanted a cozy holiday sort of vibe. So, I'm drinking their Ho Ho Hoji Chai. Ho-ho-hoji chai. Ho-ho-hoji chai. Ooh. So what does that consist of? It's a, like, darker roast hojicha with a really, like, deep red-hot cinnamon flavor and some ginger. I would say those are the predominant flavors. Oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah, nice... it's, it's arguably maybe a little more autumnal than, than like, wintery, but right. still that cozy kind of, you know, cradle-your-mug kind of vibe. Perfect for the weather of today, where it yes. feels like the holidays are upon us. It's hitting that minus territory in the Celsius region. Um, that sounds... I love hojicha, and I love spiced teas, so that sounds right up my alley. I think you'd enjoy it a lot. I'm drinking Candy Cane Crush from David's Tea, because it's the holidays, and that means Candy Cane Crush for me. This is probably... I want to say it's, it's probably like the third or fourth David's Tea that I had, but I... I want, this is pre me working at David's Tea when I uh, found out about this tea. And it's the first time that I purchased a flavored tea that was this flavored. Before that, it had been very much in the Earl Grey spectrum, jasmine area. You know, I, I didn't grow up with flavored teas, as you all know. I grew up very much drinking predominantly traditional teas. And this was the first time I remember being like, no, I'm going to have fun with tea. And that's kind of what David's tea is, is like having fun with tea. And so Candy Cane Crush, when I first smelled it, I remember the David's tea that I was in, 
It was in a, a mall here called Complexe des Jardins, which is the only mall downtown where Santa comes to town. So when you have kids and you got to take them to go see Santa, that's like the us downtowners, that's like where we go. And yeah, we were waiting in line to see Santa and uh, there's a David's Tea right next to where the line was forming. And I went in and I smelt this and I love candy canes. And it's just got so much white chocolate in it that like... Mm-hmm. At the time, I was like, this is not a tea. Because I was very much on the traditional, like, straight kind of tea vibe. Um, But it's just so comforting and fun and kooky. And it screams Christmas to me. And I'm in the Christmas spirit. I was working in stores when uh, that tea came out. So I had the experience of the very first year David's Tea sold it being the one selling it yeah. in Saskatchewan and the prairies. And I remember we saw it on the list of like upcoming teas for the holiday, you know, doing that like PK uh, product knowledge training beforehand so that, you know, when it launches, you can actually talk about it. Right. And seeing that we were going to have Santa Secret, Notorious, one of David's teas, biggest seasonal teas. Mm-hmm. And a candy cane tea and being like, that's the same thing. How's that going to work? Right. Especially because they're both black teas. And then we opened the bag and we're like, okay, yeah, that's not the same tea. It's crazy because like Santa's Secret, to me, I drink all year. I've never associated Santa's Secret with the holidays particularly because it kind of has like a... I always think of like a kind of cotton candy vibe to Santa's Secret because it's got that sticky brown kind of vibe to it. To me, it tastes like fondant with a little bit of mint. Yes, exactly. So I drink Santa's Secret right on the reg, like middle of summer, I will have a cup of Santa's Secret. But Candy Cane Crush is just like, you know, what Santa drinks at his after party, man. This is, this is it. This is the, this is the cup. But anyway, that's what we have on our cups. This is a different format. I kind of don't know what to do with myself. I have not seen the questions for this AMA. So I, I'm nervous and excited. Do you want to just like jump right in? We have no plan really. I think so. So I've compiled 20 questions. I mean, technically it's more, but some are like sub questions to a main question. Okay. So kind of like 20 different talking points. I don't know if we'll hit all of them. Okay. We're just going to go and try and answer as many as possible. Okay. In no particular order. Okay. So we're going to ping pong. Sounds good. Starting with, and this is probably one of the things that on our Instagram I get asked the most. Okay. What, if any, fandoms did we actually restock or re-steep after the episode? Ooh. Okay, so all the Star Treks. Yeah, the I, def- I definitely kept going. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard because between things... I, 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 okay, I've definitely restocked, re-steeped Loki, even though we didn't do an episode on Loki. It was like both of our picks for, I think, last year or two years ago, something like for that. top fandoms. Top fandoms. Mandalorian, I've definitely restocked, re-steeped. Mm-hmm. Same. Um, I'm trying to think of one that was like completely new to me that I said that I would restock, re-steep, and I can't actually, off the top of my head, think of one. Did you keep watching Downton Abbey? Because I know you, oh, got, yes! <laughs> you got way past our episodes, even like by the time we recorded it. But. Yeah, I did restock, re-steep, Downton Abbey. Oh, The Witcher! Mm-hmm. I kept going with The Witcher. I kept going with The Witcher. Um... 
Yeah, it's kind of strange. I don't know if you have this feeling, and then I'll let you answer, but sometimes when we, you know, we we watch a geek and you re-steep a little bit past, like with The Flash, I kept going for a while. Um, it's weird when after I sat and, like, decanted it with you that sometimes I don't feel the need to keep going. It's almost like I did my homework and I'm done kind That's of vibes. Um, yeah, I don't know. What about you? What did you restock, Restee? Well, all the way back in season one, I had finished She-Ra, like the entirety of She-Ra. Right. Uh, by the time we recorded. And we were originally only doing like three episodes. Right. Um, it's wild to me in hindsight that Critical Role when we covered it was a viewer suggested fandom and not one of my fandoms. Right. Because now it heavily feels like like my fandom absolutely i finished all of campaign two which is something like 800 hours of content (laughs) and i am up to date for campaign three which is already clocking in at like 400 hours jesus i have watched part of the first campaign i've watched like all of the one shots uh exandria unlimited candela obscura so like all of their sub properties right they recently well, I say recently, it was like a year ago now, but they put out like a, through through Amazon an animated series that's now had two seasons, watched all of that. So I got heavy into the critical role. Wow. Verse. Okay. Um, I actually kept reading Swamp Thing. Oh. I don't know if you knew that, but no. I have a couple Swamp Thing volumes here now. Um, I didn't finish it. I got to volume three three and i might keep reading it but around volume two i was a little i don't know my interest waned a bit okay so it's not like a priority read for me mm-hmm. oh what else did i keep going with we've covered so many fandoms i know it's hard to i i will say that a lot of them i either kept watching before we recorded or kind of had on in the background. I don't know that there's a geek that I'm like fully in on. Star Trek level, Star sure. Wars level fully in on. Oh, Lower Decks. I kept watching Lower Decks. That's right. I've watched all of Lower Decks. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Uh, I forgot. I have to talk to you about last week's episode when we're done with this. <laughs> and um, I kept watching Castlevania as well. I'm in okay. halfway through season two of Castlevania. So a couple... A couple. Yeah, a couple. Answer to the question? A couple. All right. What else we got? All right. Are there any fandoms you both have no interest in covering or fandoms that are off limits because one of you doesn't want to do it? Okay, so you go first. Is there something you're like, no, we we shan't be doing this? Well, we haven't explicitly talked about it, but I feel like both of us are pretty content never covering a J.K. Rowling property. Huh. Yeah, probably. Like, I, don't, <laughs> like... I don't know that we'll do Harry Potter again. I'm glad we did it, and I think Celia was a really good guest yes. to have on for it. Yeah. But I have zero interest in doing anything Fantastic Beasts, any of like the books. Like I don't really want to continue feeding her right and we haven't explicitly talked about it either but i don't know if we'll ever do like house of dragons the... oh no i think we actually did say we weren't gonna do it it's like i'm really not into game of thrones at all and uh super not into like continuing with their prequel and i started watching it and then i didn't finish it i think so 
Yeah, not going to do that. Other than that, there are definitely some fandoms that I really like that we'll probably never cover uh, just because, like, like, we've been pretty vocal uh, in the past in different podcast episodes that, like, I really like horror, like, yeah. a lot, and Marika really doesn't. So, you know, there's, like, I'd love to do, like, a Junji Ito episode, but, like, horror, psycholo- like, psychological body no. horror manga, not probably ever gonna... Yeah, and I feel really bad, because it's not like that, again, it's not that I don't like horror. I see... I definitely see the point of horror in our society. I think it's actually a really good thing. I think it's something that should be explored. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh, gross, never. It's just that I I physically can't take it. I get, I become physically ill. I'm very uncomfortable. It stays with me for days, days after. Oh, and I would never want to force that on you. Because, like, like the Junji Ito example, for often incorporate children like it's very like you know one of my favorite uh graphic novel series that i read this year is called something is killing the children and i love it and the minute i read the first issue i was like this will never get featured on geek steam (laughs) i mean we could we could oddly do an episode where it's just like you and a guest and i just like peace out i'm just like have fun you guys like because it's a it's a legitimately interesting genre it really is i'll do you know, I was thinking about this when you said that maybe you'd want to do like a Stephen King. Have you ever seen that terrible Stephen King movie where the cars come to life? Not Christine. Yes. What yes. is the name of that movie? Oh God, what is the name of that it's movie? It's stupid. It doesn't make sense with the title, like with the, but that is comedy. I know they meant it to be horror. It has Emilio Estevez in it. Mm. It's called like Critical Mass or something. It's it doesn't make sense as a title. Maximum Maximum Overdrive. Yes. Oh, I would do the shit out of that movie tomorrow, Kelly, because it's just funny. Oh, and see to me when I'm like, oh, I want to cover Stephen King. I'm like thinking like it. No. 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 Yeah. Children. No. <laughs> so so yes. To answer, there are some things that are off limits. I don't know. Is there anything that like you've thought about that you're like, oh no, Kelly would never. Um. It's not, uh, it's, it's weird because I'm trying to think of things that like, I wouldn't watch myself. There's very few things that I'm like, no, not interested. I think reality television it's fair. is, and, and when I'm talking about reality television, I'm not talking about documentaries or like, or the ultimate to me, reality television remains like antiques roadshow. Like I love antiques roadshow. That's reality television. You know what I mean? Agree to disagree. Agree to disagree, but like I like the Kardashians That's is true. ultimately a fandom, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. And I don't get it. And I no shade. I'm not saying anything bad about the people who like this show or anything. It's like they're speaking a language I don't speak. It's fair. I, the Bachelor people get obsessed. Oh with yeah, the Bachelor. they really like that. We'll we'll never do a Bachelor we're never, episode. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I, I want to say like we're open to everything. But, like, if it's not the great Canadian baking show, like, I'm not really <laughs> interested in reality sure. television. <laughs> I've thought a couple times for, like, one of my fandoms, picking RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, yeah. See, the problem I have with RuPaul's Drag Race is that I watch RuPaul's Drag Race and I fast forward through all the conversations they have in the back room and I just go to the challenges. Because as an art form, 
And as a performance style, I am enthralled and I love it and it's great. I don't like to hear about other people's like personal trauma in that space because That's I feel fair. like it's been highly edited and put out for kind of like shock value. I don't think that's the main reason behind it, but every time I watch it, I'm like, I don't, this is not the venue in which I want to learn about this. So we could do it, but like, would I, could I, would I be allowed to fast forward? No, I'd have to Probably sit and watch. It. Oh God. Yeah. I don't know. It's it. Oh God. I have very limited time. I'm a very busy woman, Kelly. <laughs> All right. Next one. Uh, how do I become a guest on the podcast? ask i don't know <laughs> what's your answer to that i get like asking is probably the best Just start ask. Yeah, like... uh hit us up on instagram at geekseep we do have a couple like viewer pick uh fandom spots for season four in our outline that aren't filled in yet yeah i think what i find interesting right now because we've had some really fantastic guests on i've loved every guest we've had on uh, shout out to Tori and Steven, you know, Celia, you know, Cody, Cody, they've like, all yeah. been fantastic. Every guest we've had on though, we've pitched the fandom for yeah. them. We've been like, Hey, would you be down to do like X fandom? Some that we knew they had an interest in like Tori and Wonder Woman. Some that, you know, like Cody, where we were <laughs> Poor like, Cody. we're going to throw you really outside of your comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. For me, at least, I don't want to speak for you, but if you'd like to come on as a guest and do like a guest geek episode, what is most interesting to me right now is having someone who knows a fandom really intimately, you know, p- pitch us the fandom you'd want to cover, tell us the episodes you'd pick, mm-hmm. you know, like that is, I think, m- where I think we have room to explore. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that I've come across with just like, I haven't, I, I haven't worked with media, but I've done radio, I've done television, I've done a bunch of these kinds of things. Um, and then, you know, being on this podcast or hosting the David's Tea podcast, something that I find people come to me with a lot is they say, well, I don't know if I should be on this media or this thing with you because I'm not interesting. And I just, I, I completely disagree with everyone who's ever told me that because I find that people are interesting everyone's story is fascinating it really is and so i think if you want to be a guest but you're like oh i don't know if i can be a guest look it's our job to make you sound entertaining so you just have to come as you are also there's arguably nothing more interesting than hearing someone just go off for an hour about a thing they love intensely. A thousand percent. And that's why we started the podcast. And that's why I love, like, that's why going to Comic-Con is like a bomb for my soul is because you're just surrounded by people who love what they love. And so, yeah, if you love a thing and you're geeking out about a thing, like, bring it. And yeah, just message us. Send us a message. Tell us why we need to watch the thing. Yeah. You know, and... I think that, yeah, is right now where we'd have the most interest. Absolutely. And you don't have to be a tea Instagrammer or a Not geek person. You don't have to have any of that. I, I like meeting people and talking to people. If we don't do anything with you after you've sent us this message, please don't take it personally. It's just sometimes just coordinating time between me and Kelly to record can be really hard. Um, but yeah, messages. Let's see what, let's see what happens. Fuck it. Next one. Mm-hmm. 
what Advents are you doing this year? <laughs> okay, so I bought my last Advent, what, two days ago? Pretty recently. Pretty recently. So I am going to be doing a tea practitioner's advent. I'm really, really excited for that. I think you're going to love it. I did it last year and I had such a fun time with it. Um, I'm going to do David's Tea's 24 Trips with Tea. And I got a company that neither of us has ever ordered from before, Nerdfelt. They have a nerd-centric tea advent that I'm really excited about. And then... I'm not going to cry, but you guys, Kelly bought me an advent for Christmas, and it's the most extravagant advent I've ever received from anyone. It's one of the most extravagant gifts I've ever received from anyone, and when I opened it, I started crying to the point where people in the office thought that something was wrong and Kelly had, like, done something horrible to me. Someone from our HR department (laughs) walked by and, like, had that look of, like, oh no, do, like... HR comfort mode of like, do I need to resolve a conflict? <laughs> the and... CEO gave me a hug. Like, that's like... Both Sarah, our CEO, and I turned to, to this lovely woman from HR and we're like, happy tears, happy tears. Happy tears. I just opened it and immediately started, like, sobbing. It was such an... Un- I didn't expect it. I was so touched. So I'm going to be doing the fancy-dancy Star Trek advent, y'all, because Kelly's the fucking best friend I could possibly have ever hoped for. So thank you. So yeah, those are my advent. I think this is the first year since, like, we've started getting... Well, I mean, I've always, like, been really into advents, but since I've started shoving my interest of advents <laughs> onto my friends here in Montreal... Yes. This is the first year we're not overlapping at all, which yes. is really interesting. Yeah. Wasn't intentional, but just worked out that way. Uh, I'm doing... Uh, so for the first time, like, in my adulthood, mm-hmm. I bought a non-tea-related advent. Right. So I'm doing Bomamon's Jam Advent. It looks so cool. I see people do it every year. Uh, shout out to Jan and Cameron, who have done it the last couple years. And every year I look at it and I'm like, I want the Jam Advent. <laughs> yeah. So I got it this year. I'm doing the jam advent. Yeah. And then for tea related, I did Plum Deluxe. Uh, I've been eyeing up their advent for years and they always release it so late in November that as like a Canadian, I'm like, there's no way that arrives in time for holiday shipping. And they released it in October this year. And I was like, fuck yes. We're finally doing Plum Deluxe. I got Fortnum and Mason's sachet advent. Mm. I've also looked at that one in the past, and the thing that's held me up is that they had repeating teas in past years. Oh. So it was like 20 unique teas, but there were four days of like repetition. No, thank you. Yeah, exactly. This is the first year they have four or 24 unique teas. Okay. So like, yes, pulling the trigger on that one. Uh, and then I got... 52 teas, do 52 teas every year, it's 12 days, mm-hmm. and then to balance it out, my other 12-day one uh, will be Tea Thoughts. Ooh. Nazanin released this year an entirely tea-related advent. I've passed up her advents in previous years because they've been a mix of tea and stationery. Much love to the stationery people. I am not one of you. <laughs> so I was really excited she had a, them separate this year. You could do stationery or tea, so I picked tea. Uh, and then matcha from Bird and Blend. Awesome. That's a pretty good roundup. So, spoiler alert, 
you'll also be doing another Advent. Oh, okay. That I'm currently making for you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, it's not tea. Because I was like, last year I made you an advent of tea. That was so sweet and well done. (laughs) And then I had a lot of people reach out on Instagram and they're like, where can I buy it? And I was like, oh. Marika just sat in her kitchen for like two hours (laughs) making it. I did redirect them though to your parent spice company. So maybe they got some, some random tea sales from weird parts of the world. And I tried to explain, okay insider edition i tried to explain to my parents that they should just do a fucking advent and my mother looked at me and she was like why i'm like because there's an interest i think people would like it and she just looked at me like i don't have time for this i mean it's a small company it's literally a mom and pop company and she was just like my mom's not even though my mom is the person who bought me my first advents when i was a kid and was way way into it before anyone else was i couldn't explain to my mother um, so if you guys want to send an email to info at epistocrew.com and explain to my mother that you need an advent. No. A anyway. nice email. A, <laughs> a nice, nice email. Oh yeah. A, don't piss off the Black West Indian with angry emails. <laughs> I did feel a little bad because I like live blog all of my advents. Right. So I do like an Instagram tagged post and story every day. Yeah. And like day two I was like. Are they gonna get it? Like, because also I didn't tell her it's what I was doing, so she saw the Instagram post and she's like, "What's going on?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I made Kelly an advent." Anyway, so you're going to be receiving hopefully this week, probably next week, and yet another advent, Kelly. All right, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Okay. Next one. How far in advance of recording do you read, watch, etc. The Geek? <laughs> like the two hours like, no it depends it depends right if it's a book obviously sometimes it takes a lot of advanced work it for takes a, a lot of advanced work for a book um if it's something i'm like super excited about sometimes i'll actually watch it before like the season recording starts but i did that once or twice and it worked to my disadvantage because then I, when it got time to record it i didn't remember any of the details i mean i take notes i take mm-hmm. copious amounts of notes but it just didn't hit so now i'm really trying to do it like depending on our recording schedule like a week before we record like the week of or like in the instance of our last episode firefly i watched it like the night before me too actually we both did firefly like really last <laughs> like, minute really last minute um, so it kind of depends on scheduling, bandwidth, interest, um, how much, just how much time do I think I have to dedicate to it? Cause I don't like doing geeks on the fly. Sometimes I don't have a choice. Like if my kids are sick or if I have a particularly busy week at work, I don't have a choice, but I do like to kind of sit with the geek and you know. Yeah, that's fair. I would say on average... For me, like, two weeks in advance. Okay. It varies a little bit. Um, Anytime we're doing something that involves reading, I always read first because generally I'm the one providing a copy for you. Yeah. Um, Couple exceptions. Actually, I think both of our books that we've done, Frankenstein and Three Body Problem, probably the only exceptions to that. Yeah, the two novels, yeah, because I got them on my Kindle. We had them independently of each other. But But graphic novels you're generally lending to me. So I read first and then pass off to Marika. So much more in advance for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I like two weeks because I write most of the outlines. Mm-hmm. So for me, I do it 
two weeks and then I write the outline the week before recording. Yeah, that makes sense. Roughly. Yeah. We're not doing it like together at the same time. We just both found our kind of speeds that work for us. So. We've done it together once, which was Grave of the <laughs> Fireflies. Fireflies. Yeah, next time we do that, we're doing a fucking comedy. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> All right. What is next? Aside from fandoms talked about on the show, like Spider-Man or Star Trek, what other fandoms are you currently really into? Oh, shit. Um, well, I just finished the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, The Hunger Games, and that's kind of kicked off a, a re-watching of it. Oh, yeah! I'm going to just, it's an episode, I'm going to anecdotally just tell you this story. So my husband took my eldest to the movies yesterday to see the new Taylor Swift concert thing. And they had a trailer for the movie coming Mm -hmm. out. And now my seven-year-old wants to know what the Hunger Games is. She's like, I want to watch it. And we're like, no. (laughs) So it's weird. It's It's the first time we've ever had to tell her like, no, like you're not, you're not ready for this. And she's like, what am I not ready for? But then it's spoilers, right? Yeah. So it was a really weird and interesting conversation where she's like, but mama, I saw the trailer. I think I can handle it. It looks really cool. And I'm like, oh, it's look cool. It's super cool. No, <laughs> no, you're seven. Like, no. Yeah. So we had to have a real parents talk last night. Me and my husband kind of like, okay, so these, these, I'm sure other parents have other kinds of conversations, but when to introduce a geek to our kids is very important in our house. And she's not a very geeky kid. So it's like, it's sad that we have to tell her no, but yeah. So I I guess that recently, Loki season two. Yeah. I'm into Loki season two right now. Still doing what we do in the shadows. Still powering away at that one makes me happy. Um... Jeez, I don't know. It's it. Uh, there's all kinds of geeky things that I'm always. Oh, I've been, I've been revisiting Monty Python's Flying Circus a lot. Hmm. Um, but yeah, what about you? Uh, I've been really, really into actually the last couple weekends. I've been playing uh, Poppy Playtime. You're you're not gonna. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking. About. It's a video game. It's <laughs> it's a horror video game. <laughs> takes place in a children's toy factory it's not it's not your vibe i'm loving it (laughs) (laughs) sounds good i'm not good at it but i'm really enjoying it uh it has very this is also not going to be your vibe but it has very like five nights at freddy's oh yeah feeling okay i'm so happy for you (laughs) so poppy playtime uh i've been reading rainbow rowell's she hulk comics okay really enjoying them um very like Compared to most of my comic and graphic novel reads, very lighthearted. Okay. Really, really just, like, positive, happy times for the most part. Okay. Uh, what else have I been... I mean, Critical Role. I Critical Role and Dimension 20 are, are probably my biggest ongoing fandoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dimension 20 right now is doing a campaign uh, called Burrow's End that's very heavily inspired by, like, Red Wall, uh, Watership Down, Fern Gully, Secret, oh, wow. of, Secret of Nim. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. that vibe. Really, really loving that as well. Um, and it's got me wanting to reread Watership Down. So I might might do that. Interesting. I'm 
also not a video game person, but I am very into Mortal Kombat. And so I'm Ooh. thinking for Christmas I'm going to ask for the Mortal Kombat game. It's just tough because I can't play it around the kids, right? Yeah. But... Yeah, I'll, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in getting back into Mortal Kombat. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you want like a Mortal Kombat esque game that would actually be kid friendly, Smash Bros is like probably. That's a uh, good thing my kids don't listen to the podcast. That's on Santa's going to be giving them Smash Bros this year, um, as per your recommendation. So <laughs> we will be doing that. But yeah. I think I think they'll really like it, but I think you and Steve will also like it, which is like the best kind of <laughs> exactly where you want to hit, exactly where you want to hit. Cool. Okay, what else? What else? What else? This is fun. What is the best fandom that the other has introduced you to, or that you've discovered in general through the podcast? Ooh. And then follow up to that, the least favorite. Uh, I really liked Shira, and I really liked Lower Decks, which were both things that you introduced me to. Critical Role was a viewer pick that ended up just becoming one of my biggest fandoms. So that was was pretty impactful for me. In terms of least favorite, ooh, I really didn't like Downton Abbey. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Tomb Raider also wasn't good. Oh, fucking Tomb Raider. That's right. We did Tomb Raider. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. I think ultimate favorite geek that you introduced me to had to be Birdemic. Oh, yeah. Birdemic was so good. Birdemic, man. That that was was a wild ass ride. And I, I really appreciated that one. Squirrel Girl is probably up there in the one of the best times I've had with a geek. Um, Yusagi Yojimbo, I also really enjoyed to the point where like I gifted the complete set to my dad for Christmas and then he got way into it. So that was cool. Least favorite. It's, it's, it's hard because like, I feel like I learned something with every geek. Um, but, uh, Kuroko's basketball can go fuck itself. (laughs) Like that thing, I don't get it. Um, what was the other one that we did where the kids are like in a room at a school and it's like basically like the Hunger Games. Oh, Dongarampa. Oh yes. That, oh, I'm never going to remember the name of that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't care about that. I, I, it's, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Basically anything anime is going to be a really tough sell even though like i look back fondly on princess jellyfish you know like some of them i do i'm like oh no that was fun you know but then like attack on titan you give like a giant middle finger too oh just but the thing is like i i i respect the quality of attack on titan whereas kuroko's basketball i'm just like no whatever this 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 weird uh porn light version of little boys playing basketball thing this is like i don't I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to be a part of it. So, um, there you go. That's my list. (laughs) Sorry, I really got you. (laughs) How often do you pay attention to the teaware and not just the tea when doing your pairings? All the time, I want to say, I think. It's like pay attention is like, what, what, what do you mean by pay attention? Like... Do, am I as 
involved as Kelly with my teaware? No. I mean, I'm currently standing in a museum of teaware, you guys. Um, that is just a beautiful thing to behold. Um, it is very important to me when I'm doing the geek. Am I drinking it in a glass mug, in a uh, Royal Albert, in a Nordic cup, in a... Am I gong-fooing? Which guy one did I use? The cup that I use is really, when I'm gong-fooing, is really, really important to me because it gives, like, the vibe of it. Like, for Firefly, I don't think I mentioned it. Um, I was using a cup that I found at work in the photo lab that they were going to throw away, and it was never made by David's Tea. It looks mm. like a whiskey sniffer. I think it's a whiskey sniffer. Um, but it's the perfect size for just gong fooing, and because of Firefly, I went with a more, you know, alcoholy kind type glass. Um, I don't have as much to choose from as you do, but the if it's the pay if the question is how much do you pay attention, pretty heavily. Do I care about the design on the mug? I'm gonna say no. I'm yeah. gonna say the design on the mug almost never processes with me but the shape the heat retention depending on how long the geek is the re-steepability of that mug that that all comes into play it's not something i spend a lot of time on but it's something i do every day very instinctively just when i make tea so i, I do it with geek steep as well i think i'd agree with that i feel like they were asking i mean i guess i don't know for sure uh but the way i had interpreted was more like the color and patterns and stuff. But oh, yeah. No, I don't pay attention to colors or patterns at all. Yeah, for me, it's it's super slim. I fully agree with you on, like, making sure, like, the vessel is the right, like, shape. Right. And heat retention and, like, correct for the tea you're drinking. Yeah. Uh, I think the only... Like, there's not been a lot of times when I've paid attention to the color print. Critical Role, I had said, um, I have, a, like, a hand-thrown mug that is very, like, tavern-esque D&D uh, &D vibe. So, like, that was one where, like, felt like an exceptional circumstance mm -hmm. where it was just, like, so appropriately themed where the teaware was arguably more important than the tea. Yeah. And I own a lot of Spider-Man mugs. So anytime <laughs> we've covered Spider-Man, I've drunk out of a Spider-Man mug. Right, yeah. But other than that, like, not heavily? Yeah, not heavily. I guess we never talk about it unless it's deeply... Like, with Downton Abbey, obviously, I mentioned that I was drinking everything out of, like, Royal Albert. Yeah, we but... both went, like, antique teacup. Yeah, but... but if it's not really pertinent to the the content of what we're discussing, I don't really go over what teaware I was using. And I often very forget... Very often forget what I was using because it's such a... It's probably the same with you now. Mm -hmm. It's a split-second calculation that we're making at this point where we've drunk so much tea, not to like brag or anything, but like we've drunk so much tea over the years that you're like, oh yeah, this tea, this mug, this tea, that mug, this tea, this guy one kind of thing. And when I come here to record, I grab whichever mug is closest on your desk. That's really, or sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to try that mug, but. I don't yeah. know if we've ever talked about it. Um, I don't know if you've ever noticed it either, but I have, you know, walls of like bookshelves covered with mugs, but I have two separate like the desk area has mugs on it and then I have like a little side table with mugs and like my kettle and stuff on it yeah I rotate out the mugs that are on the desk and the the side table and they usually are color coordinated 
I have noticed the one at the desk, certainly, because that's where we're, the computer is. And that's where what I usually have to move to the side to put the computer between all the mugs. Um, no, it's nice that you have that with your teaware. I do a teaware rotation maybe once every two years. It takes a lot for me yeah. to get into it. Yeah. So that like that informs for me almost more so like the mug I'm drinking of. So like the desk right now has like deep reds and maroons and navies and it's holiday tea wear because yes. that's the, the mind space we're in. Right. And the side table uh, right now is all like pastel blues and teals and also like wintery themed. So nice. it's like less about the tea and you know whatever like my general mental space is. <laughs> right. For, yeah. For the week or so, uh, all of the tea word that I drink will be color themed for the most part based yeah. on based on that. Cool. So hopefully that answers that hopefully one. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> we partially have answered the next one, but how much tea do you eat, Joan? How much tea wear? So I feel like we've, <laughs> we've partially answered. <laughs> uh, okay, so I don't know anymore because, as I've mentioned before, this was the year of buying very few teas. I only bought about 10 teas in the year, which was pretty good, all things considered. Um, and then I've been really consciously sipping down, really trying to finish the teas. My husband has been helping with that as well. As soon as he sees like a tea with like one teaspoon left or whatever, he's been drinking it too. Like we're trying to reduce, but then I always get like samples at work and like people mm -hmm. give me tea. <laughs> like, so, um, I haven't done an official count since I think June of last year. I'm hoping that we're sitting comfortably somewhere between 350 and 450. That's kind of my guesstimate at this point. That's respectable. Yeah. In hindsight, like not hindsight, but like the fact that we're saying like 350 teas is respectable is mind boggling. <laughs> it's really but good. It's really good. It's really good. It's really good. No, I got insane to the average person. It's probably insane. And I'm not even counting. I know. I don't know about you. I never count tea bags. Tea bags are just extra teas. Oh, I, I do. I do track tea bags. Yeah. So if if tea if we're counting tea bags, we're probably closer to the 500 mark. But tea bags don't count for me. Just in my own personal like space. Um, and when it comes to teaware, this year's been the explosion of me finding Gaiwan sets in my apartment. Because when we moved, I put them all into boxes. And didn't really unpack them. And then recently I've been like, oh, where's that guy? Oh, here it is. Oh, there's that mug. So I don't know. We're probably talking, I don't know, 10 or 15 guy ones. Sipping cups is ridiculous. I'm close to 100 on sipping cups. It's got to stop. Um, and mugs, I don't know. The the ones I have out, uh, I don't know, 30? 30 mugs that are out and then maybe 60 or 70 in boxes somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. That's... And that's good, y'all. That's real good. I've, I've come a long fucking way. Like, <laughs> All right. My scary numbers time. <laughs> Do it. So I have all of the tea that I own with an asterisk. I'll explain the asterisk in a moment in an Excel sheet. So I know that I have at least 2,360-ish individual teas. The asterisk, though is that I don't track in my Excel 
tease that I can't officially talk about. Right, yeah. So the number is actually probably 200-ish, maybe, as an estimate, higher than that. Right. Because I have every tea that David's Tea will be releasing that hasn't come out yet for the next year or so. Right. So all of those. Uh, plus I have a bunch of reject teas. Yeah. You know, not going to get too heavily into like the reject tea process. Cause that's, that's work talk. But, um, if a thing was developed and we decided not to carry it for whatever reason, um, I might have some of those teas as well that are just for me personally, that will never, ever be publicly talked about. So, right, yeah. so realistically the number is probably closer to 2,500. Nice. Nice, Kelly. Nice. So, so high, high tea <laughs> number. Uh, for tea wear. <sighs> oh, it's numering, based on what I can see here, low thousand? Yeah. 1200? Well, let's do... Because there's no way to figure out... I mean, I'm staring at Gaiwan's piled on top of mugs, piled on top of teapots. So this is the situation we have here. Let's do a nice clean break. Okay. You know, we'll, it will make it really quick for you all in terms of editing. And I'm just going to count how many mugs I can see in the room right now in eyeshot. Okay. Knowing that there are more in boxes under the bed right. and in the next room. So okay. we'll just do an eyeshot. Okay. Okay. In eyeshot, I can count 146 mugs. Yeah. Like Western style mugs. Yeah. So then based on how much I know are stashed away in non-visible places, let's say like 275 mugs as an estimate. So I counted... Not, I'm gonna mix like Yixing style teapots and Gaiwan together. I counted about 47, and I didn't do as detailed a count as you, and that's just me looking around. And then so, probably like 200 or so, like Gong Fu appropriate teacups. Yeah, if you count you know me's in that, like probably 220 cups, and then what, like one. A dozen or so, like what, like British style yeah. teacups, and then you've got like tumblers, tea presses, all that kind of stuff as well. Cold cups, yeah. No, it's 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 a it's an impressive number. It's a, it's. I'm used to it now. I remember the first time I walked in, I was like, "Whoa, whoa, mm-hmm. okay." It's kind of shocking that you have other interests. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, it doesn't... Like, <laughs> when I when you see how much there is here dedicated to tea, it's really like, wow, wow. But now it just seems really normal because I think one of the things is, is that you're not... There are some people who just, like, compulsively collect and then don't use. And you use, Mm -hmm. you use personally, you use professionally, you sometimes document it, sometimes you don't, like you've used every single piece in here or are about to use pieces that were ultimately delivered this week because I know you get an order of teaware once every two weeks at least. Yeah, roughly. So that's what I appreciate about your collection is that it's an active collection. It's a true collection in the sense that you're not just, it's not just, um, 
ornamentation or like I really like tea so I have a lot of tea stuff it's like no no these are things that are close to your heart and that you're actively using so it's it's beautiful because they each have their place and they each have their purpose and they each have a memory associated and mm -hmm. will create new memories I just I really like it I really like seeing it yeah it's something we don't talk about on the podcast just because like it's not really relevant mm -hmm. um but arguably I guess you could call it a fandom by a loose definition <laughs> yeah I really like like handmade pottery and ceramics. Mm -hmm. You know, I I took sculpture classes. Um, you know, it's a thing that like personally I've done actually prior to being a really heavy tea drinker, which always in hindsight I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like can you imagine now? Oh, no, I'd be crazy. <laughs> uh so I have like most of my tea wear like what western style tea wear most of my western style tea wear is like from david's tea which of course makes you know an abundance of sense as someone who's worked <laughs> there for seven years and you know gets a lot of free tea wear mm -hmm. uh but i also have a very very large collection of uh mugs and gong food type tea wear from small independent potters yeah. and ceramicists. And so like that's something that I invest a lot of money in um, just because I, I love handmade ceramics and pottery. It's an art form. That's the thing. Like I've, I've been, you ever been to someone's house who like collects things and it's kind of just like a brag as yeah. opposed to a, like I, I have that. I, I used to collect Pez machines, but I didn't really eat like Pez candy. I just thought Pez machines were cool, you know, but, um, so I'm not throwing shade on anyone. We all, we all do it, you know, but, um, this is a real labor of love here. This is, it's, it's a beautiful thing to behold. All right. Next question. Ooh, this one is kind of funny, uh, given last week's episode, but how much do you pay attention to whether a tea or tea company has been featured on the podcast before? Do you ever consciously make the decision to not include or to specifically include certain teas or tea companies? Uh, on my part, no. There's no kind of... I'm never going to not include a tea company. Um, I don't like to talk about teas that I don't like generally. And because we're going into... Um, you know, pairing with something, I like to pick something that's good. It's happened a few times that I'm like, ah, that tea didn't hit or that tea wasn't good or I didn't enjoy it or my steeping was wrong or whatever. Consciously picking tea companies. I, I try not to pick too much David's tea. That's, that's the only thing I can say. Um, and the only reason I try not to pick too much David's tea is because, um, the point of this podcast and the exercise of it is to go beyond what you're used to and what you habitually drink and and you know working at david's tea obviously means that i drink a lot of david's teas so and i still feature i still have a lot of david's tea on the podcast but i think it's probably the only company that i i'm like oh am i doing another david's tea am i doing it but everybody else i'm like look if the tea works with the moment um and i just background a little bit i know nothing about the owners of these tea companies i don't know anything about the people who own these tea companies and i probably should but given my past life about finding out how a lot of people don't necessarily pay attention to the 
fair trade aspect, ethical picking aspect of teas. It just, it's, it sapped me of so much joy that I'm like, look, I, if I have the tea, if I own the tea, I'm going to drink the tea. Um, but I'd like to actively avoid any companies that like, don't give a fucking damn about human rights. Like that would be something that I would like to, to sure. actively avoid. And yeah. so, um, there are a few companies that I haven't featured if only because I don't own teas from those companies because I don't believe in the ethics of what they're doing. I think that's fair. So that's my, those are my two lines. Not too much David's tea and don't support motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not to say that I've done research on every tea company we've ever featured, but there's a few that you'll never see on my list because I I know too much. <laughs> I just know too much. I mean, I would kind of echo that. I mean, if you listened to our episode last week, you know I paid a lot of attention uh, this season to which companies I was featuring. Yeah. I uh, I guess spoilers if you if you skipped Firefly, but... I didn't repeat a single tea company uh, this past season, so I had over 40 unique tea companies featured. Mm -hmm. It's the first time I've ever really actively paid attention to the company. I do kind of pay attention to the flavor a little bit. Um, not, not intentionally, but I... I don't know how to like phrase this that doesn't maybe sound illegal, a little bit like egotistical, but I'm... <laughs> I'm very naturally good at pattern recognition. You are. You are. Yeah. It's not a brag. You are very good at pattern recognition. Yeah. So I remember like our first season very, very quickly, we kind of like both self-identified that like we were very heavy indexed on like smoked teas. Yes. So I very actively made the choice in season two not to do anything smoked. Uh, this year I noticed that we were a little heavier in cherry flavored teas. Really? Which uh, was interesting. Oh. Didn't want to like affect your tea selection, but we definitely featured a lot of like cherry blossom in particular. Okay. But, you know, cherry as a flavor. That's um, the tea that I drank on the bus ride over, just hilariously. Like, so yeah, that, that tracks. <laughs> but. Yeah, I, I try to switch it up. I love that our podcast is a venue to highlight different tea companies. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we've featured all different formats of tea as well. Uh, tea bag, loose leaf, uh, kombucha, boba. And I think we're not shy about, you know, bringing on like a tea bag onto the show. Or, or, not anymore, certainly. Yeah. Or like an alternative to like a loose leaf style tea. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably what I pay the most attention to. There are a couple tea companies I own teas from, and I won't name the tea companies, but that I'll probably never actively pick just because I have very mixed personal and professional feelings mm. about the companies themselves, not right. necessarily their teas. I, I mean, I, I own tea from them, but mm -hmm. where I just don't want to bring the baggage of having like a mixed professional opinion Agreed, yeah. onto a personal podcast yeah but. that's pretty much it it's uh it, it a lot of thought goes into it and then very little thought goes yeah. into it i say <laughs> all right uh maybe loosely related kind of maybe not what's a tea that you've bought that you thought you'd like but you didn't end up liking and then the reverse a tea you thought you'd dislike but ended up really loving 
Oh, I don't want to talk about the teas that I thought I would like and then I didn't like. That's fair. Because it's not a pers it's a it's a it's a personal taste thing, but it's also kind of a quality issue. Um so yeah, I don't really I yeah, I'm going to stay away from that one because That's I fair. I don't like throwing shade on 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 anybody when it's a personal thing. So, nope. Bye. <laughs> I think probably the best example I can give is for the first year or two in my like tea journey, uh, you know, big grand gesture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I hated thing. I was not mm. into smoke. It was an acquired taste thing for sure. It took me a very long time to like really embrace smoked teas. And now it's one of my absolute favorite uh, flavors to explore through mm-hmm. tea. So that was was a role reversal um you know i won't name the company because i don't want to yeah again yeah, yeah sorry about that. it's not really about the company um and i don't want to like like i have no issues with the company in general but there is a company i've ordered from in the past where the teas themselves like they weren't bad uh but they were all very similar mm. so it was one of those things of like i bought a bunch of tea I thought they'd all be quite diverse um, based on how they were described. And then when it came to making them, there was just a lot of overlap of flavor, Mm -hmm. a good flavor, a really enjoyable flavor. But it was one of those situations where I was like, I probably could have ordered like a third of this order and experienced like what this company had to offer. Right. Yeah. That happens occasionally. Occasionally. Yeah. But there's not really that many bad cups of tea out there, you know? Yeah, and it's all subjective, right? Yeah. Just because I like one flavor, I mean, we know intimately well, does not mean someone else will, and, and the reverse. Our taste in tea is very, very different. Yeah, yeah, very, radically different. Ooh, this is, I think, mostly going to be a you answer, but okay. I'll, I'll weigh in a little bit. What was the process of starting the podcast like? How long did it take before you were able to start recording? And what kind of things did you need to figure out in advance? Um, okay, so a little bit of background into Marika's brain. When I get an idea in my head, I generally sit on it for like a few hours and then I execute. I have no fucking patience for like an idea. If an idea doesn't get me really excited and motivated to execute within a few hours that I generally don't go for it. I've just found that historically I don't have the drive or the passion or anything to go through with it. And fortunately, when I randomly texted you that day about the podcast, by the time I, so, okay, I don't know who starts with this story. Like, thank you. Yeah. Like I just, it was the pandemic and I had a newborn and I was on maternity leave And I was like, I have to do something. But when you're on maternity leave in Canada, you can't actually get a job or get anything that you would be paid for. And I had a baby, so it was really hard to, like, do things other than, like, read books and watch TV shows. And we couldn't go anywhere because it was the pandemic. We were in lockdown for months and months and months. And I thought, I need a creative outlet. I need to do something. And I thought, "I, I like to talk. But I don't like to talk alone. I like to converse. I really missed Kelly because I wasn't in the office anymore. And we used to talk about tea and geeky things. And I thought, wow, what if we did a podcast 
where we just talked about tea and geeky things. And then I just kind of thought it through. And then about maybe, honestly, Kelly, it must have been like 40 minutes later. I just said, hey, do you want to start a podcast? And then you got back the text message and went. <laughs> I think my response was like, about what? Like, what are we possibly? <laughs> and I was yeah. like, the only two things we have in, camp in common, which is tea and geeky things. By the end of that night, we had kind of hammered out exactly the concept of what the podcast would be. Yeah. You know, that it would be pairing teas with fandoms, that we'd rotate between things like I really liked and things you liked, and we'd try totally new things. Like, we knew the episode format. We didn't know the fandoms we were going to cover. No. We didn't know how to record a podcast. But we knew what the format would be. And then the rest... It took us, like, a couple weeks, maybe? I want to say it was a couple of weeks. Yeah, I, it was about a month later. We had our mics. We had the computer. We had our outline. It happened really, really fast in hindsight. Yeah, so some of the things that we had to figure out that... I say we. I'm going to be abundantly <laughs> transparent here. The bulk of the research for how to podcast was done by Marika. Yeah. Like, all the credit to Marika. She figured out the right kind of mic, what kind of editing software we would have to use. She learned how to edit. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you really did the bulk of the heavy lifting, for which I am abundantly thankful. Yeah, but then you also did a lot of the other heavy lifting, too. Like, you did... it It was really clear from the beginning, like, who was going to take care of what. You were going to take care of any kind of social media that we needed to do... You write infinitely better than I do. So a lot of the writing fell to you kind of eventually, but like you really spearheaded that. Um, We went through Fiverr uh, to do like our logo design. Yeah. So like the artwork you see for every episode, uh, we had commissioned and we paid someone to design uh, for us and our intro music also. Yeah. Um, and you took care of that. I didn't deal with, like, you gave, obviously I gave my feedback, but we kind of split it 50-50 in terms of responsibility. A lot of the teas in the first season came from you because I, I couldn't go anywhere to buy anything. Like, I didn't, yeah. you know. Well, um, I wasn't short on options. <laughs> you, had, you had an abundance of options. I think how did the podcast get started is just two friends who had a really... Uh, fun time talking to each other about geeky things over a cup of tea and both have a kind of irrational hyper focus when we want things to happen. I think we're both women who just really, we have different ways of going about it. But when you or I get an idea in our head and we want something to happen, we generally get it fucking done. I think that is something (laughs) that we actually have very much in common. Um, It's a really good thing we use those powers for good. Because it could be any other way around. But yeah, it happened really fast. It happened really fast. And here we are. Three, four years, three years later. Yeah, that's how the podcast got started. No end in sight. Did you meet a David's Tea? And have you worked for another tea company prior? Yes, we met at David's Tea. Yeah. I remember the exact day we met, which is very strange that I would remember that. Um, and I remember thinking... Uh, after I think I saw you in a Spider-Man t-shirt like the second week or something I remember thinking how do I get closer to this person <laughs> we were in really so we I think maybe we talked about it in our like get to know us that honestly we need to re-record because it was 
from our early days of podcast yes. setup and the sound quality and uh, is awful. Don't listen to it. And yeah. the, the pacing of speech also because <laughs> it was before we'd figured out like splicing. Yes. So we were trying to do everything in one take. Yes. Um, but yeah, we we met at the office. Uh, we both worked in tea, um, and I maybe that feels like it should be obvious given that it was David's tea, but like. Tea is a department within the company. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, we weren't, like, one of us in tea and one in accounting, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. We were within tea, but in directly opposite areas of the tea department. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have, for the first year or so, a lot of overlap uh, between, like, our, our roles. The spaces we occupied were yeah. very different. Mm-hmm. I mostly saw Marika uh, during tastings mm-hmm. when I would be doing the setup for tastings because mm-hmm. I came into the head office um, in a very like uh, administrative data oriented role, but also um, within the R&D department, but, you know, a lot uh, in the background, you know, which mm-hmm. is say okay. Um, so <laughs> I spent a lot of time on my own in the lab, yeah. which honestly I loved. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I really, really liked having like eight hours a day to just be really productive at a laptop surrounded by hundreds of teas with no one to interrupt my tea drinking. There are worse ways <laughs> to spend a day. Really great. But it meant that unless there was like a large tasting going on, most of my day I saw like either just me or just the direct lab team, mm-hmm. uh, which would have been at the time Billy, Celia, um, who we had in our Harry Potter episode, yep. and our coworker Ravi. So, yeah, I had to make excuses to, like... <laughs> yeah, it was awkward because it's like, I really want to get close to this person because she's really into tea and she's clearly really into nerdy things. Um, I... Yeah, I, I kind of didn't know how to do it, and I kind of just launched into, like, hey, I want to talk to you about this. And then it was that time we walked to the Metro and started, and we realized we both really like Buffy. Yes. And I could sense a sense of relief on your part and on my part, where it's like, we both, like, were gravitating towards each other, but didn't have anything to, like, spark it. And Buffy gave it. Buffy season six specifically gave it to us. Yep. So, um, so, so, yeah, that was, that's how we met. I mean. Yeah, still there. So, you know. Now we work a lot more closely together, but still in very different departments. Very different departments, yeah. But at least they have some overlap. Some overlap, (laughs) but yeah, no, still, uh, I can spend days not talking to you in the office, which is crazy, but yeah. But you're like five feet away from my desk now, at least. Our desks are so (laughs) close now. Um... There was a second part to that question. Have you ever worked for another tea company before? I'll answer quickly because my answer is going to be quicker than yours. Right. Yes, but no. I don't know if you know this. When I was living in Saskatoon, so like very, very young, fresh out of high school, no work experience. uh, I applied to actually work at the David's Tea in Saskatoon like seven times and never got an interview. (laughs) Okay. So, like, hindsight, that's hilarious. That is hilarious. (laughs) Never got an interview. Uh, It's okay. I didn't have a lot of work experience. My work experience was incredibly limited. And I'm sure I came off as that, like, diehard fan who's, like, really excited but, like, 
maybe not super professional. Like, yeah. Like, I get it. I get oh, it. I get oh, it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I did work, though, uh, at a tea company in Saskatoon called Tea Desire. Okay. For a day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what happened there? Uh, I was hired by the manager at the location there. I don't actually think the location exists in Saskatoon anymore. Okay. I think they may have closed either, like, early pandemic or like just before mm-hmm. um hasn't been there a while they're a bc based tea company so okay. most of their locations are across uh, british columbia it was the one location outside of british columbia okay so it makes sense that they wouldn't stick around but the manager had hired me uh i worked a day i had a fucking blast working for a day very fresh very young very naive yeah um not professional at all um, and at the end of the day they were like i don't know if this is gonna be a good fit uh, and like it makes sense they're like the style of tea company they are and the area of saskatoon they are like their majority market was like more conservative old like it's very like um like a british style okay. like you know like the, the vibe of Murchies, if yeah. you've ever... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. We're like loud, boisterous, uh, unrefined, unchanneled, uh, very liberal Kelly was like, maybe not the best choice in salesperson for their particular clientele. Brand. Right. So like, there were no hard feelings or anything, but it... Yeah, I worked for a single day at another tea company. Interesting. I had no idea. That's very cool. Well, all, you know, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. Um, so the only other tea company I've worked at was my own. <laughs> um, so I mean, we've hinted at this basically, but I don't know how far back I should go, Kelly, or it's how much time you. we have. I mean... Um, what happened was my parents had a spice company that they started when I guess was, I was like 18. They opened up a spice store and I was the only person in the family who had any retail experience because my dad was a chef and my mom was a model. So that was kind of, um, I'd worked at like, I worked in stores, you know, I'd worked at body shop and things like that. And so I managed their store. We opened up a second store, which had, didn't have spices. It had ingredients from around the world, like sauces and things like that. And I was the manager there. And I was also the, like, the person who was bringing new products in. And one of the things that my dad actually brought in, he brought in six loose leaf teas that were just awful, terrible six loose leaf teas. And I remember asking him, like, why do you, why do we have loose leaf tea in the store? Like, we were a big tea drinking family loose leaf traditional tea drinking family and he said well i looked at the area surrounding the neighborhood and no one is selling loose leaf tea everyone has tea bags let's see what happens and within like the first four weeks we'd like sold out of all the tea that we had and he uh we were like oh okay we're on to something so then i went i was in charge of ordering the tea so then i went and ordered some really high-end expensive teas and actually kind of got yelled at by my dad because he was like what are you doing? Like, we just opened this store and you're spending this money on these teas. And I just looked at him straight in the eye and I said, I think I can sell these. And he said, well, if you can sell them, fair enough. But if you can't, then I'm in charge of all product sourcing going forward. And I was... Oh, the challenge. The challenge. Like, you tell a good... You tell somebody like me who's like a salesperson, that kind of shit, you're like, oh, fucking bet, you know? Um, And then within a week, I'd sold out of all of them these really expensive high-end teas and we started bringing in teas from 
had about a hundred different tea companies that I would just have their tea. So nothing like, um, nothing in like caddies, loose leaf style, just like prepackaged stuff. But we went from six teas to 130 in six months. And I went to my parents who were sourcing all of their spices for their company. And I said, look, the teas are really taking up a huge amount of importance. I think it's a disservice that I've never seen the plant. Cause like we're a family that like wants to meet the people who make the product mm -hmm. and shed a light on those people as much as possible because, uh, historically tea and spices, uh, is pretty westernized in a not super okay way in a, in a not okay way yeah it's just yeah. like we've we've culturally you know taken these people's products and spices it's horrible and well documented and in tea it's also well documented and being the child of descendants of former slaves and former slave owners like the the impact of whitewashing someone's culture has always been at the forefront of me growing up so the fact that I was selling that much tea without knowing any of the people that I was buying it from really didn't sit right with me. And so I did uh, what any normal person would do. I moved to China for six years. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I was like, I need to go. I need to see these people. I need to talk to these people. And then when I got there, I realized that a lot of the teas that we were importing, especially from China into the West, were from the majority Han group of China and not from the 56 Chinese minorities that live within China. And I kind of, in the beginning, made it my business to import specifically teas ba made by uh, Chinese minority women. Just because I thought, they're here, I'm here. There was a kind of kindred spirit thing that happened where it's like we'd see each other and they'd be like, what is this brown girl doing in China looking for tea? And I'm like, what minority are you from? What What's your tea history? What's, what's the thing that people here in China aren't buying because they don't want to buy from like a dirty minority? That's li literally the conversations we were having. Um, and then it grew into, you know, I would keep buying from a lot of these women. Uh, then I, you know, expanded into Taiwan and India and Sri Lanka and using spices and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I woke up at the age of 36 and realized I was still working for my parents and had an existential crisis and said, well, who's going to take me? Because I, I've only been working in tea and spices for the past almost 20 years. Um, where should I go? And I went to David's Tea and I sent the most aggressive cover lever letter I've ever sent anyone. And I said, by the time you finish reading this letter, you will have hired me. That's how I opened. That was my opening pitch to David's Tea. And uh, yeah, they called me about a week later. So <laughs> I was like, the letter was basically like, you're going to hire me. Let's stop fucking around. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's why I say I've been in the tea industry almost like 20 years it's, it's been through various ways like either just selling it or sourcing it or blending it or making it or marketing it or just fucking drinking it um yeah i i i love david's tea but i can't wait to see where this this is at this point this is like a lifelong tea journey oh for sure and yeah. i have and i know it's the same for you because you don't work for any other tea company but like don't don't you like like don't you kelly like you know so much about these people you know way more about other tea companies than i do i don't focus that much on like other companies as opposed to other cups um i think that's a good segue to our next question, which we have partially answered, yeah. but I'll piggyback on and elaborate. 
uh, and, and you can as well. But the next one was when you started at David's Tea, did you already love tea or was it something that's grown over time? And we, we've both answered. We were tea drinkers well before working at David's Tea. Um, your tea world was very different and yes. I'll let you expand in a moment past what you've already. But mm -hmm. for me, when I started at David's Tea in stores uh, back in Saskatchewan, I was hired as a seasonal tea guide and I had another full-time salaried job that I was working uh, that I hated. <laughs> and uh, Working at David's Tea seasonally for me was... <laughs> the short answer is I had lapsed all my dental coverage at my... <laughs> at my full-time job and I needed to get my wisdom teeth out. And so I was like, I'll pick up a seasonal job that, you know, and just put whatever money I earned from that seasonal job towards getting one, my wisdom teeth out because right. that shit's fucking expensive. So expensive. Yeah. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to work a seasonal job, I might as well work a seasonal job at a company that I love where, you know, it's not hopefully going to feel like work. And that's why I started at David's Tea and I remember very clearly it was a group interview because they're like mass hiring yeah. for the season. My location hired 20 seasonal employees the year that I was hired. Wow. Yeah. And I remember they had like a, we did like a big circle in the uh, like lunch, lunch room's not the right word. Uh, what, food court. Food court is the word I want. We occupied like a third of the food court had like a giant circle and one of the things going around was supposed to be like, what's your favorite tea from David C? What's your experience with tea, etc." And I was like the third person in the circle. And I, the two before, I don't remember what they had said, but I remember we got to me and I was like, my favorite tea is blank. I'm a certified tea sommelier. I have the Latin genus of the tea plant tattooed <laughs> on my arm. <laughs> and, and I just remember the people... Uh, like the person immediately after me looking like fuck, fuck you <laughs> so obviously i got hired yeah um and i think honestly like my comprehensive knowledge of like david's tea as a brand but just tea in general was a huge part of that right um i remember at the end of the season i loved working there so much that i did like the math in my head and was like, if I, like, quit my full-time job and they could guarantee me, like, this many hours and, you know, at the wage, I can, like, just cover my bill. Like, just cover my bills if I have X minimum hours. And I remember going to the store manager and being like, hey, I don't know if you've thought about who, if any, seasonal employees you want to keep at the end of the season. But I'd be willing to expand my hours if, like, you were potentially into and she was like we're gonna cop yes yeah you, you want to keep working yes <laughs> like, no question <laughs> yes. yes so very much had a tea knowledge and then when i moved to the head office the person who interviewed me for uh the role that i entered into um in r&d and qc i remember very bluntly uh told me that like one of the reasons they were interested in me was because I had prior ex knowledge of like David's tea, but mm -hmm. Billy, uh, my manager at the time had expressed that if they were going to hire someone, 
he wanted someone hired who knew about tea in general and not just David's tea. Yeah. So it was one of the reasons I was hired at the head office as well. They were like, oh, this person actually knows about this world outside of our company. That's an asset. I think that was one of the reasons I got hired too, because like full disclosure, when I got there, they were like, what do you think your biggest weakness is? And I was like, I don't really know like computers. I know that sounds weird, but I was like, I don't use the office suite. I worked in like artisanal, like tea and spices. Like the bulk of my job was like phone conversations. You're not sending like Excel spreadsheets to pepper farmers in Kerala. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is not. I had to learn Excel too. I had also <laughs> never used Excel before. And I came into a data entry role yeah, and they exactly. were like, what do you mean you don't know Excel? And I was like, no, you're going to have to teach me. And then I remember Celia uh, very kindly and patiently being like, all right, so here's how you set up a cup. And said, and be like, no, 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 I'm good. That's okay. This one, fine. Yeah, teach yeah. me computer. Teach me. That was the same thing. That was, I, I think, I, rem- I remember like not finding the modem. And they were like, why are you looking for the modem? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I just, I didn't know anything about that. But then when it came to the interview part about tea questions, I was just answering, um, like what I consider to be like superficially and they were like, wow, you really know your stuff. And I was like, Oh, wait till you see me in action. Because like, if you think this is cool, you know? Um, yeah. Previous tea knowledge is definitely, I think probably one of the reasons I got, I got hired. And yeah, I, I, I just always, lo- I grew up with tea. I love tea. I grew up in a tea house. I grew up in a finding out the origin and understanding the plant. And, and the thing that I said before is, you know, the West Indian culture as influenced by British culture is very much like, oh, you're feeling happy. Let's make a cup of tea. Oh, you're feeling sad. Let me get you a cup of tea. Oh, you're sick. Let me get you a cup of tea. Like tea is like always the answer to whatever fucking situation you're in. And so it's, it's more than a love. I want to say like, it's a lifestyle, but it's just like, I it grew up a in lifestyle. a, it is a lifestyle. I just grew up in a culture where it's like, well, I'm going to go fold the laundry. I wonder what tea I'm going to drink with that. Like, it's, it's just that ubiquitous in, in my life. Anyway, we've talked a lot on this question. I don't know if there are any more. This is too much fun, though. Like, Okay, next one. We'll try and rapid fire, uh-huh. maybe. Uh, nope, that's not, not a good rapid fire question, the next <laughs> one. That's fine. We're going to do it anyway. Are poors really poor if they don't come from Yunnan? Oh, fuck off. No, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Um, uh, why does this, why do you care? Why do you, like, the thing is, is that most Puars aren't made in the actual area of Puar, and the city that is called Puar was named Puar by the government for economic and tourist reasons, and this is a tea that predates all other teas, so its history has changed and adapted over centuries of usage. So are you talking about the origin? Sorry, I'm not mad at the person who asked this question, just to be fair. It's just I'm, I'm mad at the fucking gatekeeping that happens in the West about what Puar actually is, and it's like, define your term before you throw shade. That's... I know that's not what this person's doing in this question, but I've been in so many fucking arguments with people who don't know, know what the fuck they're too. talking about that I'm like, I get so mad. Look, are you talking about puar as being a fermented tea? Yes. Any place that you can make a tea that is not oxidized and is fermented in a certain way 
is legitimately a poor. Is any t or if you're talking about origin, well then technically we make about I don't know a hundred kilos of actual puar a year if you're looking at the very specific region that has the original name of puar and we're not even sure that it was always called that we're thinking about 1500 years ago it also had its name relocated so like you know what if the person who grew it made it manufacture it and sells it calls it puar then it's a fucking puar done sorry kelly i don't i got <laughs> that, that, hit, okay. that hit real fucking hard sorry <laughs> I mostly agree with you. I, I don't think it's a, a linear answer or a black and white answer. My my answer would be that plants don't understand man-made borders. Thank you. So, you know, there's the Excellent whole point. debate between, you know, border area, puer, etc. Like, the plants don't know the difference. So, if it's on the cusp, if it's outside of the city, but it's made using all of the traditional processing methods by the people, is that where? I think yes. Is it not made in China? Like, there's some really interesting uh, places, like... There are people in India experimenting making puer in India that are using the exact same processing methods that are used in puer, like actual puer. Uh, but the plant is not from there. Yeah. Is that puer? I think yes. I don't know. Language evolves, right? Langu like Language and definition evolves. So by the strictest sense, no. But those plants don't know the difference. No. And if you're... Honoring the traditional processing methods, if you're, you know, respecting the culture around, it's all fine. Like, whatever. Lang yeah. Language and marketing, you know, marketing is language, mm -hmm. but language evolves based on marketing. Marketing, you know, is not black or white. It's all going to be different, right? Like, it's the same argument you can make for matcha, right? Is uh, powdered green tea that's not deveined and destemmed matcha. Most people would say yes. It's just not made using the traditional method, right? So then you stretch the definition even further. What about black tea that's powdered? Like the thing to me, and like this is all valid. I get really mad when we're having these conversations in the West. I'm sorry, I do. None of us have ever processed a tea. None of us has ever, like, had... This is not our culture. And so for us to dictate, like, this is matcha and this isn't matcha, I'm like, you know what? We don't know. Just enjoy. Just make your tea and enjoy it. <laughs> I get really mad. Yeah, gray, really mad. gray area. It's a great... You call it whatever you want and whatever you do, don't throw shade on someone who doesn't call it the same, okay? Because you don't know. You don't fucking know. Nobody fucking knows. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> if you could make your own personal blend of tea, what would it be? And then secondary question, if you had to make a tea inspired by each other, what would you put <gasps> in that tea? Okay, so I've made a lot of blends of tea. So I... A quick answer, cardamom... Like, uh, a blend that I like to make very often at home is just, like, cardamom and, like, ginger and clove. Like, a very basic chai. But I stopped blending my own teas a long time ago because there's there's off-the-kitchen-counter blend, which is fun. But it's also really nice to have, like, 
a professional do it, as you well know, Kelly. Yeah. Like, you know, um, if I had to make a blend for Kelly Miller, holy shit. Fuck, that's the most terrifying thing I could <laughs> ever think of. I think from, like, it would be hard because, like, my blending experience, like I said, is very much off the kitchen counter. And so it's very raw. And it's that's very, fine. you know, it's, no, it's fine, but it's not, it's not how I see you. I see you as a very well thought out. Oh, don't say polished because that's not No, true. no, no. I wasn't going to say polished. No, no, no. I, I think it would have to be subtle and direct at the same time. And that's a really tough thing to to do. So uh, I think it would probably be like a very lightly flavored show. Ooh, I see you as a lightly flavored show, if that makes any sense. I think so. Yeah, and like floral, like like yeah, like a lightly flavored floral. Like you'd have to look for the floral note, but it would be there. That's how I would that's what I would do. It's fun. Okay. Okay. Uh if I can make any tea blend, I mean I kind of get to do that yeah, exactly. professionally. <laughs> so that's weird. But also like there are teas that I'd love to make that don't make sense like for David's tea. Mm-hmm. So like Probably the first thing that comes to mind is I, I've wanted for ages to make a black sesame flavored tea, like something really rich and creamy and intense and like nutty in a silky sort of way. Mm -hmm. So like, that's a flavor that personally I've wanted to blend with for ages that just haven't had the opportunity to do because, you know, because, because multiple factors. So like maybe something with black sesame. I'm, I love that flavor and it's not something I've seen very explored within the tea world, like at all. Yeah. Um, outside of bubble tea, which is like a very different vibe. Mm-hmm. I had to make a tea blend for you. Ooh. I feel like it would definitely have to be a lighter oxidized uh, oolong base. Yeah. Definitely something in like the more like floral sort of vein. Yeah. That, yeah. Yep. <laughs> in terms of flavor thing is like i also would need something like a little bit blunt and brash but also like soft and and warm and (laughs) so like i don't know how i would do it but if i could make an oolong that at first steep is like maybe like a really like crisp but kind of sour and tart like green apple like something like like a like a Blunt green apple Okay, flavor. yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then when you re-steeped it, was more like baked apple, cozy, warm cinnamon. Like oh, that. yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah. I don't know how I would do that, but that would be the... I see where something you're going, that yeah. When you re-steep it, the flavor like becomes soft and a little like gentler and kind and comforting. That's lovely. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I don't like know that. how you feel about being compared to apple, but... Um, I think it makes sense, which is ironically, it's not a flavor that I buy or seek out habitually, but it's about how you see that person as opposed to like, you know, and I, I I got no problem being compared to apples, you know, apple a day, man. Let's do it. Fair enough. (laughs) 
what is your favorite tea of the moment or just a tea that you've been drinking a lot of lately? Oh, fuck. Okay, we're going to talk about this tea forever. This is the year <laughs> of this tea. Uh, Starflower Oolong Rishi, man. This tea. Oh, it's such a good tea. It's It keeps, like, wow, fuck. We'll, we'll talk about it later on. But, like, that's the tea of the moment. That's the tea of the year. That's the tea of my mood, my feeling, my need for comfort, my need for treating myself. Boom. Done. That's my tea. That's fair. Ooh, I don't repeat teas very often. Mm. I, I have so many that like I, I try to wrap it through, get through as much as possible. But I think the best tea I've had in recent memory would maybe be... Actually, maybe the best two teas are actually from this company. I was recently gifted some tea from Intergalactic Tea, uh, which was a new-to-me company there in the U.S., and both teas they gifted me, I was really, really impressed with. Uh, the first is called Vanilla Bean Dream Machine. It's Ooh. a pressed show uh, poire cake that's been blended with vanilla caviar. Oh, And yeah. it was really fucking good. On smell, like smelling the cake itself, it was very, like, whelming. Mm-hmm. It smelled like a nice poire. Couldn't really smell the vanilla steeped though that fucker tasted really really vanilla rich and was nice. just dense and you know comforting in the all the right ways and i was so amused seeing all of the vanilla caviar like in my gaiwan yeah, you know yeah. around the rim like collecting uh from pouring it was very good and then from the same company i had a tea that they called ghost stone and i'm gonna say this wrong but goishicha uh, like post-fermented Japanese tea. Okay. Um, that also, mind-blowing. Really, really enjoyed that. It was my first time trying that particular style of tea. And it was funky and fermented and had like a mix of like really yeast-heavy, like hard cider notes and like honey mead. And oh, wow. That was really good. So okay. those are probably my two like obsessions of the moment. Okay. Nice. Uh, we're getting near the end. We're almost all the way through. Mm-hmm. When you plan a season, how much do you pay attention to covering different genres, mediums, etc.? That's Kelly's job. Um, I yell a bunch of things that I'd like to cover, and then she finds the happy medium. I mean, right? I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I. I loosely pay attention. There there are a few things that, as a general rule of thumb, we pay more attention to. Um, the easiest things for us to cover and record are movies. So we always yeah. try to make sure that we have uh, a movie every few episodes or so, just so that if we have something a little uh, more time commitment related, we have like an easier recording uh, thing stuck in there. We try not to go too heavy handed on reading, not because we have a lack of interest, but they're just the most time commitments. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we usually make our list of the fandoms we want to cover, see how much reading is involved there. And then that'll inform whether we put more reading related things in the rest of the season. Season two, I think we went really wild in terms of like mediums. Yeah. We covered a lot of different formats. Yeah. And it's always nice to have a balance there. A little less so season three. Um, I love that we introduced music into the assortment. I think it's one of the the best moves that 
we've made in terms of like things we wouldn't have even considered season one. Yeah. And they're always my favorite to record. I think they're so fun to do. Other than that, we just try and make sure we have a little bit of a mix. I mean, there are things that are going to pop up just because they're heavier interest. I like fantasy a lot, so I usually am a little more influential there. You with sci-fi. I go with older geeks as well. I have a tendency to 80s and 90s have feature prominently in a lot of the stuff I pick. (laughs) One of the few areas we generally have a lot of overlap fandom-wise are superhero like content. So that always is fairly prominent when we're planning a season. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I just try to pay attention to when I'm plotting out like an outline is making sure that you know we're not only covering Marvel or we're not only covering DC. Um, so that there's a bit of like a mixed rep there. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I'm staggering what episodes, I, I just try to make sure that, you know, we don't have like three TV series in a row or three like animated things in a row and just keep it, keep it varied so that throughout the season we have a nice mix of stuff. Yeah. Basically. Cause we know everyone gets their geek a different way, you know? So it's, it's fun to explore different ways of, uh, consumption. Yeah. Hopefully that answers that one. (laughs) Ooh, if you could only drink one tea for the rest of the year, what would it be? Rest of your life? Suji Chen. Like, no question. Um, Just because within Suji Chen, there's four basic varietals, times of years that it gets picked. I really like each of them, and I feel like if I brew them differently, I get something different each time. So if this is like a desert island situation where, like, I could cold brew it, I could boil it, I could steep it hot, steep at different temperature, and I had access to all four crops, that would cover a lot of bases. Whereas, like, Twining's Earl Grey is something I'm going to drink for, like, the rest of my life. There's not a lot of... The tea doesn't have a lot of give. There's not a lot of stuff uh-huh. I can do to it to make it, like, radically different. Whereas Sejichun, like, if I only had, like, a a fire, a pot of... A pot and water, and I had those four different crops, I could figure something out for a very, very, very long time. Ooh. I think it depends, like, how specific we're being, right? Like, in a broader sense... If we're saying like tea type for the rest of the year, maybe show because mm-hmm. now we're in cold months yeah. and my, my show consumption super, super spikes in the winter. Uh, if we're saying like tea types for the rest of my life, probably black tea. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I drink more black tea than any other tea type. And for me, it has the same thing with versatility mm-hmm. where it's, you know, you can make a good Western cup. You can make a good Gong Fu cup. You can use it to make, you know, fun recipes and mm-hmm. lattes and bubble tea and, you know, the the spectrum of flavor is so wide. If we're getting really specific, though, that's fucking hard. That's hard. This is the thing is, like, it's, it's for me, even within Suji Chen, I couldn't pick a single crop. I would get sick. I would get tired of it after even just to the end of this year. I would be like, no, I need something different because I just, that's why I like tea. I don't this... handle repetition well. No, me neither. <laughs> like, I'll drink the same tea within the same week, sometimes five or six times. Like, sometimes I'll just get, like, on a kick, and, like, that's what I'm drinking this week. But then by the end of that fifth or sixth day, like, it gets retired for another few months, if not a year. 
So I do that type of repetition, but um, yeah, no, it's I, that's it's, it's it's an impossible question. It's really tough. I'm very habitual in my like consumption patterns, just in terms of like the amount of teas I have a day, the formats, the spaces I'm drinking them, like. The ritual of making is yeah. very habitual. The tea itself, absolutely the fuck not. I, I vary <laughs> it so, so much. Even teas that I consider like my favorite teas in my assortment, I maybe only have once a month. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I haven't had suggestion in like, I had one here, I think. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a, a few weeks couple ago. weeks back. And that I hadn't had any in six months. Easy. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Really, really tough. And with that, we are at our last question. Okay. This one's fun. If you could personally, with no questions asked, greenlight a Netflix show of a fandom, what would you greenlight and who would you cast as the lead? Holy shit. I figured that was a good one to end on. Okay, here's the thing, and I feel like I said it. While we did the geek, but I want to see Janelle Monet's first three albums, Metropolis, Arcandroid, and The Electric Lady, which tells the story of Cindy Mayweather the android who falls in love with a human and is persecuted. I want to see that story as a musical. Mm. Like, I want to see that story visually. I've wanted to see that story visually for years. Um, Janelle Monae would play Cindy Mayweather, quite obviously. Um, I don't know who would play Sir Greendown. Uh, I don't usually play fantasy casting. I'm like really terrible at like fantasy casting yeah, we tried to do it for fantastic four and struggled yeah like i'm not i'm not uh i don't really have uh i mean don't we just fucking put adam driver and everything isn't that like our solution to like as a society don't we do that i don't i don't i don't know who i would like trust to do sir green down probably what's his face ken um uh ryan Gosling? Ryan Gosling, yeah, just because he's he did Blade Runner, I feel like he he'd catch the vibe. He can sing, you know, that kind of thing. I I want to see that. That's something I really really wish we could see. It's fair. Ooh, I want to see that too. <laughs> um, similarly, I mean, I'd love the Neon Skyline, mm. uh, which is like the Andy Schof album we covered. But I don't think it works as like a TV series. I think it's an artsy indie movie. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know who. I mean, I guess it, like Andy has to play like the unnamed narrator, right? Yeah. Like has to. Uh, Charlie in my head is Rupert Grint. I feel like <laughs> okay, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that that's the vibe of Charlie. Yeah. And then Judy would be like the other like really important role. And I feel like Judy would be like, oh, I'm going to blank on her name, but the actress who plays Rose, Stephanie Beatrice, I think, we got there, could be Judy, I think. I think she has the, like, versatility because Mm -hmm. you have to be able to see Judy as, like, sweet and caring and doting and then bitter as an ex. 
Um, my actual TV series answer, though, would be like something is killing the children. I think would translate really well uh, right. to to TV because it's got such like like the lore and world building is so solid that you could one hundred percent flesh out like a whole series around it. Yeah, I won't get super into the details because I know that you're not. <laughs> it's not your not your vibe, but it's like. I, I think my elevator summary of it, my, my polished Marika friendly elevator <laughs> summary is that it's like Buffy the Vampire style uh, monster of the week. Yeah. But with like real ass monsters okay. and a lot of gore. Uh, but like the order within the, the graphic novel series reminds me so much of like the Watcher order in Buffy. Oh, okay. So I feel like there's, like, it, it just feels like a good format for uh, for television. I feel like yeah. they could really make that work. Um, for the lead, maybe Eliza Taylor from, from The 100, which you've not no. watched, but that's okay. I think she could play the lead character. Interesting. So we've both chosen music to be... But like concept album. Yeah, concept music. album. That's what we want in Geek Steve. We want concept albums to come to life. That's, that's what we want. Oh my god, that was because this is our longest episode ever. That's okay. I it's think, totally okay. No, it's totally mind. okay. I don't think they're gonna mind, but like I just I hope we answered everything that we got and then we like, got all twenty questions. Woo! So thank you again to everyone who sent questions. Yeah, I'm so touched that everyone sent these questions. They were really good thank questions. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm really touched, and that people like give a shit about what we think about things. <laughs> if if we missed your question, or you know, if uh, if you thought of a new one that maybe came up as we were answering. You can still 100% send us questions. You know, Instagram at Geeksteep. I don't know that the AMA will become a seasonal thing. I think it might be a while before we have another full episode worth of questions. But hey, maybe it will. And in the meantime, we can still answer your questions when you send it to us. So Absolutely. Oh, that was wonderful. All right, we have coming up our top geeks, our top tees of the year. In December, we're going to let you know what made the cut in 2023. I'm super excited. Are you ready for your... Do you have your lists? I, I for the first time ever, 100% know the tees and the fandoms, like, more than a couple days before recording. Holy shit. Well, that's a lot of pressure, because I got <laughs> maybe halfway through. <laughs> oh. I'm also... As always, very curious to hear about the top tees and fandoms of our listeners. So you can send that our way as well on Instagram. I'm very curious to know uh, if there's going to be any overlap between us this year. It's happened in the past. Yep. So that's always... But we won't know until we record. So that'll be a lot of fun. But in the meantime, have a great two weeks, everyone. Thank you for listening as always. Bye. Bye.